Welcome aboard the Gamership. I'm your host, Captain Z. Tifa. And I'm Sean. And today's episode is Gaming Addiction. We will discuss how the professionals identify what gaming addiction is, some of the symptoms. We'll throw some, some numbers at you. And we'll discuss, I guess, how we weigh in on what the professionals think about the causes, what types they are, and maybe how we can um, prevent them or help someone that is facing a gaming addiction. So I pulled from a few sites. One is a popular one, WebMD. Everyone's heard of it, I'm sure. Another is SiteGuides.com. And I kind of combined their findings just for the sake of uh, not repeating a lot, of, a lot of things. And just some quick numbers. I think the repeating number from a variety of sites landed on 3% of gamers being addicted to or claiming that they, they have been addicted to games. Not a very large number. So that's, I guess, a positive thing. One important thing to point out is that the number was slightly larger with ages of 8 to 18, which is about 8.5. And the one thing I kind of had with the numbers too that I, find, that I found interesting was it's kind of difficult to actually put this type of thing on paper where you might ask like a question something along the lines of um, have you have you ever played a video game or if they don't deliberately ask like how often you play a game it, it's difficult to like i said put it on paper and have it aligned with what we kind of perceive as you know what defines a gamer like what would you consider a gamer versus the average person and to me, I think it'd be kind of like more so a time investment and investment and maybe a um maybe just a drive to play the game where it's just more kind of a casual or just random or every now and again thing. What do you guys think? Personally, I think that gaming addiction I, I feel like it's most prevalent when it actually impacts the lives of you and those around you, either financially, emotionally, or physically. Um, I've, I've known some people who have had game addictions that they actually got violent if you tried to take their games away from them. Um, I've known people to sink thousands of dollars into games that, for you know, they really didn't need to spend on it. And they knew they didn't, but they couldn't help it, kind of like AA. You know, alcoholics, they'll do the same thing. They'll dump all their money into alcohol and then not have enough money for ramen. Um, I, I can see the 8 to 18, especially now, because, you know, the, the phone is always there. The kids are always plugged in from the time they can use it to, you know, all the way through high school. It's not like when, you know, the millennials were growing up and we, we had Snake. <laughs> you know, like they're playing, uh, what is it, Candy Crush, Merge Pop, Dragon Quest, whatever, on their phone. And it's all the time. I mean, you, you can't go through the store without seeing a mom hand the kid a phone saying, shut up and just play your game. Um, so I can definitely see that age range now with the, the Zoomers coming up with that being a problem. Exactly. And, you know, also growing up as a millennial, people had very stringent definitions of what a gamer was. Oh, you're a gamer? Do you play Call of Duty? Oh, you're a gamer? Do you play this and that? And I think now we're really starting to see that fall away a lot more. Of course, that crowd is always going to exist. But, you know, as you pointed out, everybody has a phone. And it's not just the mothers handing it to the kids. It's the mothers playing it themselves. Gardenscapes, Candy Crush, Farmville. These are games that are popular across all demographics. So, you know, taking that into account... There are, in some form or another, if we're being loose, like a billion gamers. Some estimates go as high as 1.5 billion gamers. So 3% doesn't sound bad, but what's 3% of 1.5 billion? I didn't do that math, and I probably should have, but it's a lot. So when you're looking at 3% having an addiction out of that, it's, it's something worth looking at, and it's something worth trying to stem before it gets even worse. And, you know, I think that with the onset of um, 
good old Miss Rona in 2019, I think that we are going to see a higher spike in game addiction because people are scared to get out there. They are scared to interact again. And at least through gaming, you can play with your friends in a safe way. You can create friends that are make-believe and you don't have to worry about them hurting your feelings or stealing your bow or whatever you want to say. You know, you can't hurt a video game's feelings. And a lot of people like that they can hide behind a screen like with Smiter League. Um, and so you are going to see a lot more people dumping time and money and everything else into it now that this is a thing. Yeah, good points. I, I think both with the development of technology, there is going to be an increase in, um, in just gamers in general, starting at a young age. And then, of course, as the population goes up, you know, the number is going to increase. But uh, definitely with, you know, uh, with the pandemic, it's, I mean, when it hit, it, like, electronics in general, you couldn't even get them, you know? There was, like, I know I had to wait for, uh, I was going to get my Switch for travel reasons, but it wasn't even an option. Like, when the pandemic hit, it was, you know, sold out. PlayStations have, you know, had an issue. Um, you know, plenty of different consoles and, and things of that nature have been have been out just because, like you said, the uh, the increase of the demand for it, if people are going to be you know stuck in their houses, obviously they're going to need to spend their time on something. Yeah, during the pandemic, I already have a Switch, but I was trying to get Ring Fit, that exercise game for the Switch, and holy cow, it's an $80 game. I couldn't find it anywhere for a long time, and, well, I could find it, but when I could find it, it was three $400 for an $80 game. People were really price gouging it, because... People wanted video games and exercise during the pandemic, and that game was both. So yeah, with Corona. Yeah, and I mean, PlayStation is the same way. We were lucky to find a used PlayStation 4. Like, we asked around, and people were just laughing us out of the store. Um, apparently, people were buying them and, and scalping out the parts, or selling them for $1,000. And they were taking the parts and putting them into computers, because computers you couldn't get parts for. No, so, still can't. No, you can't. Let me share something from psychos.com. I'm just going to read this off to what they say are, in, in their own words, causes for, uh, for game addiction. Many different causes factor into video game addiction. One of the main reasons that video games became so addictive, however, is they are designed to be that way. That's something that Sean actually mentioned right before we started. So, good call there, Sean. Video game designers, like anyone else trying to make profit, are always looking ways to get more people to play their games. They accomplish this by making a game just challenging enough to keep you coming back for more, but not so hard that the player eventually gives up. In other words, success for a gamer often feels just out of reach. In this respect, video game addiction is very similar to another more widely recognized disorder, gambling addiction. And aren't those two Fair. things becoming increasingly interwoven as loot boxes become more pervasive? It's basically yes. the same thing. Yeah. That's funny how that works, right? <laughs> mm. Those of you for not, that are not familiar, loot boxes are something you would actually spend money on, and it would be a random reward for what you would get in-game. It could be something, in your opinion rewarding for lack of a better word or for something you know just completely useless like you like you didn't want at all so definitely some some gambling aspects you know crossing over into to the gaming environment and there's kind of a list that i just kind of combined from both of the sites and i'm going to go through a few of them because i find that some of them are not really that fair as someone who is a gamer and that spends a lot of his time gaming as a as a maybe main you're hobby. in denial yeah maybe right <laughs> it's the first step right but i'm going to share it with you guys and we, we can kind of go over them i'm going to put one to the very top though because i feel like this one before i even looked at the list what popped into my head as kind of like a main indicator and that's having problems at work, school, or home because of your gaming. Essentially, the time investment that you spend gaming getting in the way of 
other critical parts of your life. To me, that's probably one that should be moved to the very top of the list. I feel like that kind of transitions over to a lot of addictive things in yeah. general. I think that's one of the first signs of any major addiction is when it starts to invade other parts of your life and affect them negatively. I mean, that's the first sign of a, oh, shit, that's a problem. So, <laughs> some, of the, some of these, again, I don't particularly agree with because some of these sites did mention it's easy to get them mixed up with someone who has a problem and someone who is just very enthusiastic about games. So, thinking about gaming all or a lot of the time. That's kind of general. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. If it's your primary I, hobby, like, I don't watch a lot of movies and shows anymore. It's the reason I haven't picked up Arcane yet. Super interested in it. I just don't sit down and watch movies or shows as much because I'd rather game. So, where most people sit around the cooler talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> game of Thrones, that was many, many years ago. Whatever yeah. the thing is now that's really big on television, whatever Marvel show is up, I would talk about video games and think about video games. But, you know, I don't let it interrupt the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend Arcane, by the way. I know. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I think that, hopefully that will be the next episode, Arcane Review. Been putting it off. It's should be a good one. Um. So next up, feeling bad when you can't play, and that I would say is maybe restlessness or irritability. I can I can relate to that because <laughs> I you know being being a small business person like you know they say you give up your your nine to five to work a twenty four seven. And uh, it's true. So I'll find myself not able to sleep at night until I've like stopped working and I try to go to sleep and I can't sleep. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up and go actually do something fun for myself. Like I'll go and sit down and play, I don't, I don't know, Genshin or uh, Animal Crossing until I fall asleep playing it because I didn't have time. And all I wanted to do during the day was play a game. And I know a lot of people that I, well, I mean, all my friends are gamers. So like, they're the same way. Like they'll go get their stuff done first so that they can go and do gaming. And I can see that being a problem if that's like all you're thinking about. Well, funny enough, the next one up is needing to spend more and more time playing to feel good. Now that has kind of a scaling element in, in that sentence, but I can definitely relate to both of those because as I've kind of mentioned in the past, Gaming to me is also kind of like a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. I I enjoy gaming for the sake of gaming, obviously, but it's it is a huge stress reliever for me. Where I, I just feel I'm doing something fun. I'm doing something um, that I'm just used to doing, and it's 100. Like if I had like a hard day at work or something, you know, and I just want to take my mind off. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, might not be work, but you know, gaming is is definitely one of those things for me that'll that'll put me in a good spot. So yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with these because I, I feel like a lot of people um, have that mentality, and I don't, I wouldn't consider that like a symptom of an addiction. I think kind of yeah. I think it's a matter of degrees, right? Because yeah, like you said, gaming is a good stress relief. I think it would be more. I think when you cross lines to addiction is. Well, do I need to play video games to do this? Is this the only thing that's going to make me feel better? Do I feel like the minute I've had a shitty day, do I just need to game or I'm going to go out and punch somebody in the face? Because, I mean, with alcohol, it's the same thing. People come home and have a beer every night. But if when something terrible happens, your first thought is, oh, my God, I need some whiskey. That's something you should start to question immediately. Like, oh, do do I need whiskey every time something bad happens? Oh no. And give video games to be the same way. Is it just a passive stress relief or is it a psychological like drill that if I don't get to play my games, I'm going to flip a table? Agreed. Let's see. Next on the list, not being able to quit or even play less. That's a fucking tough one. I, I don't think I'd want to quit at all. 
<laughs> that no. one's hard because I, I like I, said, I don't want to play quit. play play less maybe. Yeah. Sure. A little cutting back on time that that, that could be fine. That's fine. Well, if I, I have, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna say I don't know about Shaw, but I tailored my life as an adult to fit my video gaming. Like, my kid plays video games, I raised her playing video games, my husband plays video games, all my friends play games. Um, so, like, quitting altogether would seem really strange to me, plus my daddy didn't raise a quitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, and scaling back is something that we all have to do as adults. I mean, yeah. uh, other things take precedence. Um, do I want to scale back? No. But is stuff going to get done otherwise? No. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. My wife plays video games. All of our friends play video games uh, for a while. And even still, a lot of them use it as a way to keep in touch. You know, we're all friends in college. We all scatter to different parts of the country or sometimes even other countries. Well, what's a way to talk to these people? Stay together. Well, you can play video games together. And it almost feels like they're right there in the living room with you again. So in that regard, it's a cool way to get together. I wouldn't call it a sign of addiction. Um, necessarily or again we could all be in denial hard to say but i think the important part is there the ability to scale back because while none of us want to scale back on a on a permanent basis i think everyone here is at least capable of scaling back when we have stuff to do oh well i'm traveling this week oh i have a heavy workload this week this that the other thing whatever it is you don't choose gaming over more important priorities either for yourself or other people, especially in regards in uh, you know to health, finances, and happiness. Hmm. Not wanting to do other things that you used to like, and that might be mm. since we enjoy gaming. This might be for someone that's not typically gaming. Maybe it's something that's new to them, or they pick up a game and then it's like they're hooked onto it. And it's interfering with, you know, things they're used to doing. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that's not applicable. <laughs> like, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I, I just admitted to it earlier. I don't watch as many shows and movies as I used to because I'm like, I'd rather just play a video game. <laughs> so that one applies to me a little bit. Whoopsie. <laughs> Let's see. Lying to people close to you about how much you spend playing. Some people might do that just because they're embarrassed, or maybe they just don't <laughs> feel like sharing. You know, it, may, you it know, might not be like a symptom. In high school, I, I don't know if this is, if y'all felt this as guys, but as a girl, I definitely lied about how many video games I played and definitely what kind of video games I played. Um, it was always really looked down upon am i freezing Sorry. yeah a little bit <laughs> a little bit That's sorry right. um yeah. it was always looked down upon for girls to play video games and you got made fun of the anime and video games um growing up in the 90s and 2000s so i knew a lot of girl gamers who lied they said they didn't play games um and that has kind of persisted into adulthood and we're just getting to where we can um really pick that up now yeah. I'm glad you said that, because I was actually about to ask your perspective on that, because I know growing up, gatekeeping was so stigmatized. Like, I would, I knew a few girl gamers in high school, and they would just get brutally made fun of and ostracized. And then, even when they talked to guys about it, the guys would do that gatekeeping I talked about earlier. You're a gamer? Do you play XYZ game? Do you know this mm. bit of trivia? And it's just like, y'all couldn't win. Since since we brought it up real quick, we'll, we'll take a break from the list for a second. And I'm not sure if Tifa might have more insight on knowing perhaps more like female gamers than us or, or not. I was curious to see how much the gap has been, you know, filled or cut in half or whatever. Um, you know, how how many more girls are actually playing games now? compared to how it started out because i know in, in prior conversations you know we've talked kind of like marketing and the stereotyping and you know whatever you want to bring up i'd be curious to know how many you know what the increase is 
of girl gamers nowadays. I'd find if I were to take a bet, it'd be the number would be a lot larger. Some people, when I say some people, like some sites I looked at today, they kind of they were almost trying to sell me on 50 50. I'm not sure it's quite there yet. I don't think it's 50 50. But it I you think so. I took a psychology class a few years back. This was in 2012. In mm. 2012, it was 48% women, 52% men. Mm. So, um, and, wow. Sorry about my camera, guys. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, That's good. <laughs> but it, it was. It was 48 to 52. Um, and every girl I've been friends with since high school has been a gamer. Um, I mean, I've got a, a large community of female friends now. There's a huge gaming community of women down where I live. Um, and it's now much more acceptable to come out of the woodwork. So we are seeing more women that it, it seems more prevalent now, but it's been that way for a while. We've just kind of been hiding. Yeah. I don't yeah. know the numbers for this year, though. I would imagine it's probably roughly the same. I assume it probably has only gone up again. It's, you know, on top of having the cultural stigma getting less and less and less every year, it's also more games from indie developers and even AAA really broadening their marketing as we're, you know, in the nineties, if you saw video and commercials, it was very clearly marketed towards boys. Mm -hmm. And now you've got such a broad spectrum of games and that helps a lot. Yeah, very interesting and, and i think uh i think you nailed it with at one point you know it was difficult to actually admit that and i think nowadays and i've been telling people this for years too where whether you consider yourself a gamer quote unquote everyone fucking games like everyone does in in some shape or form everyone is playing a game of some sort you know it's not i think all these stereotypes um have just become like a little outdated you know with with assuming one's interest and and things like that but we'll, we'll get back to the list let's see isolation from others in order to spend more time gaming that's i'd say that's pretty good if i were to like rank them i'd say that was probably like i i'd rank that number two because i'd say that's a pretty big deal there, there's like a whole community in Japan. I think it's that Hiko, Hiko Mori, Hiko Mori. I don't remember the exact name, but it, it, they're basically shut-ins. They, they stay at home, watch anime, read manga, and play video games. Um, but I mean, can you blame them? <laughs> well, isolation. But that's like just by yourself. Yeah, they just. I guess that's implying just you solo, right? Yeah, You're they not interacting with them. It's it's almost like it's it's almost like they've got agoraphobia and they don't want to go out into the world, so they escape into games and you know other novelties uh, that they can get from home. I feel like that might be a more like serious issue, not just a like a gaming addiction. That's something else entirely. Like you just perhaps you legitimately just don't want to be around people or something like that. Well, yeah, yeah. There, there's a bunch of animes and, and other um, other media that actually goes into it. And, and for some reason, and I don't know if this is just the anime culture digging into gaming culture, um, but it does tend to portray these people as um, hardcore gamers that, that just Dorito and, and Mountain Dew out. <laughs> and I think mm. Japan, I would love to go, but, <laughs> you know. It's not unusual for addictions or psychological or even physical illnesses of any kind to closely tie into other things you know with covid we're seeing all these comorbidities mental illness is often the same thing addictions of all kinds are linked to depression and mania and all these other sorts of things so it wouldn't be unusual at all to have someone's agoraphobia channel into gaming which then becomes another addiction which could parlay into something else it's just the nature of illness whether it be physical or mental it's what happens I like how you use the term parlay, Sean. Thank you. Just, just quick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I could not myself. The parlay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, I don't know why. Again, this is this is what I was trying to avoid redundancy. This one was saying using gaming to ease bad moods and feelings, and I think we kind of covered that one earlier. Yeah, a, a lot of uh, the similar similar wording here, and then of course playing despite these problems, like everything we listed. You know, I guess being in denial, or maybe just not caring, and or maybe just you know not realizing. I guess that would be you know that would be important too. Pretty common with addiction until someone yeah. points yeah. it out to you. Oftentimes you don't realize how bad it's gotten. No, it's usually once it starts hitting your relationships and your interpersonal connections that that things like that are addressed. Like with alcoholics, um, drug drug abusers, um, even people who disappear into relationships and throw themselves, you know, feet first in. Um, these kinds of things, typically you don't Seek help until it's started to get too late. And most of your connections have started to disappear. <sighs> so I'd say... I'd say a portion of the list is... I'd say is accurate. But I'd say a small portion. I think some of these things... Like I had mentioned, I, if someone's just kind of enthusiastic about gaming... I feel like it's kind of, you know, non-applicable. And then you've got certain things where I feel like maybe you should be worrying about some other bigger problems <laughs> than, you know, gaming. It's kind of like <laughs> pulling in, you know, some other things. But like I said, yeah. I think a lot of those symptoms are like warning signs, you know, yeah. like it like you said, it's a matter of degrees. Um so if these things are just slight or you're only hitting one or two, maybe not. Um, but that's again with any physical or mental illness, it's the same thing. Everyone who coughs doesn't have COVID, but right. if you're coughing a ton, and you're having a hard time breathing, and you're experiencing flu-like symptoms, then it's like, okay, well, maybe all of these together is a big issue I should be more concerned about. Agreed. Agreed. So let me let me bring this up because I found this kind of interesting from sitegods.com, they actually they actually broke gaming up into two categories for single-player and multiplayer. And they described it as sing the single-player version is what they would call standard. Standard video games are generally designed to be played by a single player and involve a clear goal or mission, such as rescuing a princess, the timely Bowser shirt I'm wearing, <laughs> <laughs> The addiction in these games is often related to completing that mission or beating a high score or preset standard. And then they talk about the online multiplayer portion of it. These games are played online with other people and are especially addictive because they generally have no ending. Gamers with this type of addiction enjoy creating and temporarily becoming an online character. They often build relationships with other online players and escape from reality. For some, this community may be the place where they feel they're the most accepted. And we kind of touched on some of these things already. Um, I think this I feel, I just thought it was interesting because I feel like single player games are becoming more and more rare these days. If you exclude perhaps the biggest meme of this podcast, Skyrim, you know, <laughs> that, that was, you know, big, a big single player game, obviously. But it's, I find nowadays it's, it's very difficult to find single player games because, you know, everyone wants online based games. They, some are even just removing the option entirely, where it's like, nope, you can't play unless you're online, right? Yep. So that I found kind of interesting. They, they do still exist. So, not a mute point, but interesting nonetheless. Well, I mean, I think that point that single-player games are becoming more rare ties into this topic perfectly. Because the reason they're becoming more rare is because game companies know that they can monetize multiplayer games way better than you can ever monetize a single-player game. Hmm. A big, sprawling RPG like Skyrim is a huge investment of time and money on the part of a developer and a publisher. If it sinks, then you're screwed, even if it's a great game. And I think a good example of that is Kingdoms of, Kingdoms of Amalur. It's this massive, massive, massive game. Hundreds of hours of content. Really cool art style. That game bombed horrifically. Um, 
conversely, you have these games, you know, multiplayer games, live services. They're designed to go on basically in perpetuity until the developer feels like they need a sequel just to get a really big refresh. These games are designed to constantly have you chasing the carrot, chasing the dragon, whatever term you want to use. That's that's why they exist. And even if they bomb, even if not, not that many people play, you know, a traditional game has to have a lot of people buy it. That's how it's gonna it's gonna make its money. With these big multiplayer games, you can have a small group of really dedicated people spending a ton of money, and even if it doesn't meet expectations, it'll make a good amount of money back. You know, last year, year before, whatever year it was, we saw Anthem. Anthem didn't do super well, but it wasn't a failure. Same thing with Marvel's Avengers. It's another live service. It's not doing as well as they hoped, but it's making money because you have a small, dedicated group of people that are really into it, and they're just going to keep funneling it in. I think um, last numbers I've seen, I've seen anywhere from 5 to 25%, but certainly no higher than that are the actual gamers who spend money on microtransactions. Like it's a very it's a relatively small minority of gamers, but they make up the overwhelming lion's share of the money made in the gaming industry. Those people alone are worth hundreds of billions of dollars. Or about one hundred billion dollars. And so that's it. You just you don't need that many people to really make your money back on those multiplayer live services. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I think single player games, the best you could come out with is maybe just expansions or some sort of DLCs to to get more to get more revenue. Or in the case of Skyrim re-releasing on every single electronic that has ever right. existed in the history <laughs> of man. Uh-oh. 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 We lost Deepa. Oh no. Sorry guys, well, hold can... on. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like I can still hear her voice. Yeah. Tifa adjusting her setup. She got sick of her phone. She smashed it like the rock and ballers. Yeah, I didn't get that gotcha that I wanted out of that game. So, you know. <laughs> Threw it across the room. <laughs> so, the, the point that I wanted to make with the multiplayer explanation or, or what they labeled for, for the symptom or just how they describe just the kind of community or where someone would be prefer to be on this online community or build these relationships, I can kind of see, not kind of, I definitely can see reasons for this happening. And it, I wouldn't align it with a symptom. Uh, just two to come to mind is one, maybe, you know, you're a kid, you're getting bullied a lot in school. Maybe you're kind of like, socially awkward and maybe you just generally do not make friends easy you know at school or wherever and you go online and there where no one sees you or anything you know you can actually make some some good friends not just and this is i I think something that can trickle into another episode is relationships you build in these games are real like they do turn into larger things people do find their their husbands and wives in games they do find you know real friends i met sai in league of legends just by pure fucking chance and we've been good friends ever since then you know like these are common events that happen it's not like a rarity another example that i can think of is uh, maybe you generally have like some sort of disability where like you can't you know move about in the real world like everyone else can, and this is kind of you know your chance to interact with people you know at some sort of social level i I think both of these you know two things are are the quickest things that I can think of maybe you maybe you two have other examples where it would not fit this mold of their explanation. I mean, for me, like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing that you can build real relationships in these communities, right? Real friendships. Um, You're skipping at least one major hurdle of, you know, you know by default that you have at least one common interest. So that gets rid of some of the small talk, some of the Mm -hmm. fumbling around trying to find common footing. Um, 
that's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, unless it inhibits your ability to have real life relationships. Um, like you said, some people are disabled. Some people don't have the choice either way. Um, but you don't want to ha- be in a place where these people who are online could go away at any minute. Just you don't want to have. You don't want to be in a position where you're not getting your all of your needs met because you're so focused on the ones you can get met online. You know, mm-hmm. there are per- tons of people who are perfectly happy with online relationships, but I feel like the average person needs things that you need with an actual person. You need the human touch. You need the comfort. And if you're at the point where your online priorities are inhibiting you from getting that, then, you know, it's something you might want to think about and figure out how to balance better. Yep, that's a good point. Have you got anything? No, I mean, my husband and I, we worked together first, but we didn't start really even talking until we started playing video games together. So. Like, all my friends ever, except for, like, two that I've had since I was, like, nine, they've all been met through video games. So I, I met my wife at work, but we didn't really start getting closer until we started playing a bunch of video games together. We were just friends for better part of a decade, and then we grew closer while playing video games together. We still play video games together. Yeah, me and my husband, it was Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> We had a few, but I think our main one was probably Divinity, which yeah. does count for some of my Sean's favorite. That game. <laughs> <laughs> mm, so good. <laughs> Alright. The last thing that I have, um, unless either of you can suggest anything afterward, I was very interested in the recent event where China has barred online gamers under the age of 18 from playing on weekdays and limiting their play to just three hours most weekends. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going there ever now. <laughs> You're over 18. You're fine. That no, sounds horrible. <laughs> My, child reaction, right? My child would die. My child would die. So it's a lot. It's definitely a, an overreach. <laughs> Um, because that really should be left up to the parents a little more, um, or a lot more, obviously. (sighs) I'm at a place, though, where, and this isn't me defending the Chinese government, because what they're doing is clearly wrong, but I look at gamings here, and how they keep getting increasingly addictive intentionally. We talked about this earlier, how games Mm -hmm. are becoming intentionally addictive addictively designed they prey specifically on people with addictive tendencies and i feel desperately like regulation of some kind i know it's a big scary word is going to have to happen in order to curb this whole thing especially now that all these companies are thinking about trying to get into nfts it's just more ways to make money more ways to abuse people more ways to like needle in on people's fomo and while I wouldn't say limit games, I, I don't think the I don't think the solution lies in limiting gamers. I feel like the solution lies more in figuring out why all these big gaming companies are hiring psychologists and patenting systems of monetization, specifically, not just entire just just systems of monetization, and maybe putting a bit of a kibosh on that. But I certainly understand the Chinese governments need to at least try something, even if it's stupid and draconian. Well, what's what's shocking to me is they have a pretty strong esports community there, and I hate bringing up League of Legends constantly, but it's just <laughs> unless another game can actually meet them in you know in the success they've had with with esports, then I'm gonna have to keep doing it. Unfortunately, as much as I fucking hate it, but the last team to win the League of Legends World Championship was a Chinese team, 
and they have in recent years had plenty of success with making it you know the top or the final four final eight whatever it is they've been very competitive a very competitive region so it's almost shocking to me that they would just cripple their esports scene by doing this like no one's going to be able to train under these under these rules absolutely no one i mean you got to be ready to go by the age of 18 i think 18 <laughs> maybe 17 i'd have to yeah. i don't quote me on this. It's it's like seventeen or eighteen or something is like the the bare minimum age for you to actually compete in the in the esports scene. Yeah, but I mean, you got to be playing your ass off and training. You know, devoting most of your day, if not all day. You know, getting ready for this type of thing. And there's absolutely no way they'd be able to compete. You know, if they keep this, which is really amazing to me. You know, so it's it's definitely interesting. I guess we'll see where it goes, see if they lift it, but... Well, let me ask you guys, because um, I didn't play anything other than gymnastics when I was younger. Uh, like, my brother did soccer, but that never really involved his hands, so he was able to come home at the end of the day and play league, you know, when he was 12, 13, 14, whatever. Hmm. With this new law that they're enacting in China, I mean, are people even going to be able to take part in, like, American football or basketball things that could potentially break your fingers like if you break your fingers are you going to be able to move them the same way to be able to do the you know a awsd um because i know like pianists they're very very careful with their fingers and i would imagine if you really want a, a, a career in esports you would have to be very delicate with your fingers as well I, i'd say absolutely yeah <laughs> i mean to your I mean, to answer your question, like some sports are, are definitely safer. Like I played soccer myself when I was younger. I also played baseball, but yeah, I mean, if this, regardless of what sport or activity, like you said, if you're trying to be very serious about that, the hands are the money makers. I, I would be careful with literally anything I did, you know, at that point to, uh, to make sure I didn't get some sort of, you know, strain or break or whatever. Yeah, I just, I can't see what they're wanting them to, I mean, I know in the Asian cultures, it is a lot more prevalent to spend some more time studying and, and doing that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know, like, because in the US, and, and if there are any viewers who, who have more knowledge on this, about what their sports scene, you know, after school curriculum, that kind of thing is like, um, please, please let us know. Um, but I can't see that happening here because like if you're not doing gaming after school, you're probably doing sports. You know? Um, so I, I, I can't see that ever flying in America. Um, I, I hope that that gets repealed in, in China. I doubt it will, but you know, I, I enjoy watching the esports that like they're so intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're they are definitely fun to watch, and it was whether whether you liked China winning, you know, with their team, just the uh, the footage they had on campus and everything. Someone was like, they were all you know so thrilled, and you know they were like you know kids were like streaking and stuff running down the street. They were all you know chanting in unison in the dorms. It, it was a fun sight to see. It was pretty cool. So they definitely like the scene over there. It's it's a real shame if they if they keep and I and I, I'm with you. I do hope they they change their minds and lift it at some point. But anything else, guys, that comes to mind? Um, I guess for me, like I said, my with the last topic, my whole thing is that I feel like it's really important that we note that these games are being designed this way, and one of the best things you can do to avoid the addiction is be aware of the tactics. Be aware of the obvious signs that these games are trying to hook you in. Don't just be aware of the symptoms that you might be addicted, but also look out for the games that are trying to get you addicted. Um, you see this a lot in mobile games, but the biggest, one of the biggest ones is if you join the game with this code or if you join the game during this time, you get this many gems or crystals or gold or whatever the in-game currency is because they want you to have that good experience. They want you to have the foot in the door. Most of these games that are designed to be addictive, at first, super generous. You'll get a ton of characters, ton of weapons, ton of levels, ton of items. They'll throw them at you. 
And then once you're invested, once you have your base settled, then it'll slow down a lot. And they'll start to play on your sunk cost fallacy. It's like, well, I've played this much. I don't want to stop now. And they'll keep setting up. They'll keep setting new goalposts. Oh, well, you know, you're this level. This level, you get this. It's only a little bit longer. Okay, now you're this level. But your camp is only this level. So you want to keep playing until you get that. They always have a little bit more for you to do. They're going to keep gnawing at you and gnawing at you and gnawing at you and trying to get you to spend more money. Um, that's the first and most obvious one. Um, tying into that, uh, I talked about gems um, and gold and da-da-da. These games do not they are need- outrageous. <laughs> These games do not need to have their own separate virtual currencies. They do that so that your mind separates you from how much money you're actually spending. They it's not it's you're not spending dollars, you're spending gold. We give you some of that in game. We gave you just short of enough gold to actually buy the thing you want. Why don't you spend a little bit of money? Get yourself there. Why not? What can it hurt? And it doesn't help. And of course, you know, they all have sales on digital items that have no value besides what they put on them. So they'll say, you know, that you can get this character for $2 today. He's usually 10 or 20. They're just trying to get you to buy it right now. They're trying to get you to click and buy before you can really think about it. And that's something to look out for on top of the virtual currencies. Um, then, of course, one that's uh, any game with a timer, again, this is something you mostly see in mobile games where you can only play for so long before the game says, all right, you have to wait this long before the next step of the thing happens. Or, pay me, and I'll cut that timer in half for you. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Um, any game where that makes it so that if you don't log in every day or you don't play a certain amount, then you start to lose things. Not just that you stop gaining, but that your crops rot or your army starts to starve or characters in the game start to wander off and to find their fortune or whatever because you weren't there. All of these things are just ways to get you hooked. And if you think that you're in danger, you think you have an addictive personality, you think that, you know, you might hit a problem place, stop playing games as soon as you see any of these signs. Whether these things actually affect gameplay, if it's purely cosmetic, loot boxes, whatever it is, don't play games that have these signs because more often than not, it's not whatever little thing that seems kind of just small, it's not by itself. It's a system of things, like I said, they hire psychologists to get into your brain. And if you keep playing, they're going to get you eventually. So just jump out, save yourself. <laughs> Wise words, son. Well said, well said. And you actually triggered something in my memory here. While we're talking about their designs to uh, get you to spend money, and we were talking about the youth, I suppose, you know, ages maybe eight to, I mean, 18 is getting a little up there, but the younger, you know, the younger youth age range. Parents, you have to watch your credit cards too for some of these games. Uh, I was letting my kid play on my phone when we were driving. We had to drive for a psychologist appointment or occupational therapist, I can't remember. And she was playing little pet shops, littlest pet shops. So harmless, right? For a four year old, so harmless. I didn't realize that um, my credit card was attached to my Google Pay. Mm-hmm. And I get home and I'm like, where's, where's my money? She had dropped over a hundred dollars on littlest pet shop gems. I was so, cause that was my grocery money for the, the next two weeks. A hundred dollars was all I had. Um, if I was the tearing butt up type, I would have torn that butt up. Um, but I actually, I called Google. I was like, yeah, no, no, I didn't. Mm-mm. My, my, my information has been stolen. So that was not me. <laughs> Good play. Good don't get me play. Google. Don't get me. And I know, I mean, I've got a friend who her son did a thousand. Yep. Like it's so yep. easy to do like the hello kitty game that is on the phone. Don't judge me. Um, it's a hello kitty sweet dreams. And they have a thing where for free, you can get this many items. 
then you go to check out because you actually have to go to your Google Pay wallet or your Apple Pay wallet to check out and it charges you mm. a dollar because they have to charge something for the fee. Right. That's not so the game charging you. That's Google Play. That's not our fault. We're that's giving it to right. you for free. That's a that's a convenience fee. I think that's what they, they list it as. And that makes me very upset because I know a lot of children play that as well. Mm-hmm. So, my story might make you and your friend feel a little bit better because there I'm was <laughs> one in recent memory. It was just some article, a random article I, I found online. A mother was too too late actually to dispute the charge the bank i i guess that her particular bank had some you know day range where you had to dispute it within this many days otherwise it's like nope sucks to be you 10 grand 10 oh. grand on a i believe it was a sonic game her kid oh. was just her son was like obsessed with sonic and he played some sort of, I don't know if it was a mobile game. I think it was probably, it was probably a mobile game. Some sort of Sonic mobile game. 10 grand. Down the drain. Boop. you to throw up. So. My heart hurts. Yeah. Feels bad. Um, just from feels a banker bad, standpoint, <laughs> after a certain point, it is really hard to dispute charges on a transaction just from a legal standpoint. Because hmm? services have been rendered, regardless of whether or not you were aware of them. And they were rendered x amount of time ago so you know the bank can't force the company to give you your money back after a certain point because like i said there's not a lot of legal recourse after that long just you know banker standpoint on that whole bit um just one more thing i want to touch on when it comes to addiction um i don't have a lot of experiences to these because they sound crazy to me what's the deal with battle passes Hey, 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 you shut your mouth right now. Uh-oh. Here comes my whiskey pour. I don't have popcorn, so I gotta, I gotta have something while you two go at it. Because um, w- when I was a wee lad, and I had to play, and I wanted to unlock something in a the game, they wanted to make it really hard, I bought the game, and then I just played for a long time, or had to beat an entire fighting game without losing once, or whatever the case is, and then I would unlock the really hard to unlock thing i had to beat street fighter alpha without losing and then beat akuma at the end and i got, I got akuma i didn't have to <laughs> pay them ten dollars then beat every character in the game without losing and then beat akuma and i didn't have to do it within a three-month period so am i crazy or is that just a fucking lot? So, like, Smite, right? Smite does one every couple of months, right? Just like you said. Um, and it's $14.99, and they have 60 levels. And now they've started introducing, hundred. it's like 120 levels. If you get past the 60, if you bought the past, you can get these extra things. And right now they're doing a Transformers collab. So you can play as Optimus Prime or Starscream. Okay, <laughs> Listen, my hey. inner gamer girl, my inner 90s child, is like, Transformers, roll out! I love me some Starscream. You know, I'm not... <laughs> I just... so, but me, me, me and the captain, we went over this, what was it, the first episode, microtransactions. Right. They get you for those microtransactions, but I, I... Okay, listen, listen, I'm not paying for the Transformers one, I'm waiting. I am waiting because the other one should be coming out in about 20 days. And yes, I did the last one. But listen, when she goes up in the air, you can see up her skirt. Okay? So you get the limited edition skins. You can get the limited edition gems. You can get all the chests. You can do all these cute things. It's so much fun. I love it. I have a problem. Well, you can't put a price on an upskirt, except they did put a price on it. And then also a play barrier. So listen, you can't listen. put a price on it. Listen, listen. They they added a pause feature and smite going off topic. Um, I happen to be going up into the air when they paused the game from the enemy's side. <laughs> so my camera was just stuck there. Listen, best fourteen dollars I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> fourteen bucks will spend. Fourteen bucks will spend. Do you think these microtransactions <laughs> actually go into or could contribute to game addiction. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I think because we game- talked about we talked about gambling right with rewards, but maybe just the rewards that are not even random, just available. You could well, probably become pretty 
if if something falls into a category, you might actually get addicted to something like that. Well, like look at games like Genshin, where you know you have these special characters. Again, you you can get like a monthly thing where every day you log in and you get the Prima gems, and then you turn the Prima gems into the wishes or whatever it is. However, it works. Um, I know so many streamers that will say, "Okay, I'm I'm really guys, I'm I'm not spending money after this. This is my last pool. I'm not spending money after mm. this." And they've got it down to a science, like 40 bucks or something to get enough to do one pool. I did one of those pools, like I did the quest, because you can do the quest, it just takes freaking forever. Um, I didn't get a single character. And so imagine <sighs> that happening every single time. They're like, okay, just, just a few more dollars. I'm just going to do a few more dollars. It's not a big deal. I'll eat ramen. It's okay. Like, I've seen that happen so much. Like, they're so hell-bent. Like they even keep up with okay, the, the 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 metadata says that if I if I pull this many wishes after this many wishes, I am guaranteed to get one of these three characters. Like I literally sat in a stream last night and heard someone say that, and I was like, he pulled up his stuff and it was like two hundred wishes he had made, and I'm like, dude, bro, man, that that's a lot. Um, but you do see stuff like that, and even gotcha games on the telephone. Um, you know, like Clawbert and Tariba, you, you're, you're guaranteed you're going to get it eventually. Because now they have Game Assist, where if you drop so much money, eventually the assistant's going to come and help you with that claw machine, right? It's the same thing. But those, those plays are... Them. So, <laughs> but it's after you've already exceeded what the plushie is worth, or the, the figure, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. This sounds like a nightmare. My sister-in-law got one on the first try. I had been trying for two years just doing the free plays. <laughs> oh, goodness. There's always that one guy or girl that just... <laughs> that just gets it. Makes everyone mad. It's, it's like mountain drops and wow. Don't Some do people... Oh. Ah, ah, there it is. <laughs> do you know how long... I, I've played WoW since the day it released. The day it released, I have been trying to get the Headless Horseman's freaking mount. <laughs> I'm a mount collector. My husband gets it, like, second try. Is that the one that's only available on Hallow's Eve? Yes! He's so, such a piece of shit. Oof. That sucks because you have to wait once I mean, a year to do it. It's not even, like, an everyday thing. No. But, I, but I'm with you. There's people that have docked like oh man I've had, like, hundreds, thousands of runs. Some guy would just have it, like, in the first run, first ten runs. Unfair, but hey, it's it's just a random, just a random number. Someone's got to win the lottery, right? You know. Even before WoW is interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because even before particularly vicious monetization, WoW was really fostering video game addictions by having you, you know, first you get to max level. That's really only the beginning, right? Because then you got to get the gear, that good, good gear, and to get the best gear, you had to do these really high level raids, and to do these high level raids. You had to have just tons and tons of people. And to coordinate with those people, you literally just really had to make it a second job, right? You had to tell everybody what time you're going to be there. You can't really have people that are going to drop out. Like, it, it, you have to be dedicated to it. And I know multiple people who had to do this. They scheduled the raids. Oh, do you want to go out and do this? No, I can't. I got a raid. Oh, you want to? No, I can't. I got a raid. I got a raid. It's, yep. it's, it's my job. And then you go. And then you do the raid, and then you have to succeed, which, you know, at a certain point, most people have this to a science. They're not going to not succeed. But cutting that out, you get to do the raid, but then the drop pool is limited. So they have different guilds will have a different way to prioritize who gets the drops and who doesn't. Need versus greed, or you've done this many raids, so you get first priority. You've done that many. DKP, so baby! Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... I mean, that if that's not fostering addiction, I don't even know what it is. And that wasn't even for the purpose of making... I guess the money was just keeping you subscribed long enough to actually finally get this thing. But, I mean, man, that was... Watching people go through that. Watching people play this game that they didn't even seem like they were having fun with. Doing this raid for the 50th time in hopes of getting that shoulder piece or whatever. It was just... It was astounding to watch. I actually think it's gotten worse. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Talking about what well, because now they have the collections thing. It didn't used to have. 
they didn't have achievements or, you know, you, you didn't have like these easy keys to see what you have, right? And then they added the achievements. And if you did certain achievements, then you could get certain rewards. So it even fosters it more. And then, you know, you've got your friend, like my husband's like, oh, look, I got it on this day. Ah, ha, ha, ha. How long have you been trying? <laughs> Rude. No, like I'm, t I'm telling you, me and my husband only get competitive and angry with each other over video games. That's it. Like I got, I got one of the rare drops in Final Fantasy fourteen. It was a, um, it was a mount that plays. Well, all the all the horse mounts play music. They fly and they play music. I mean, I'm waiting for them to have one that shits out rainbows. But, um, I got this one mount that he wanted on the first drop, and we had like a full a full raid. And he was like, what? what? How? And I was like, ha huh, ha. Huh. <laughs> so. I'm a little late because I'm not going right after Sean. But I was going to refer to the classic, if you pull the whelps, you're getting the negative 50 DQ. <laughs> 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 Are you talking about Anixia? Yes, yes. Fucking Anixia? <laughs> The legend DM that, uh, or not DM, <laughs> fucking D&D talk. <laughs> the, the, the legend uh, GM, rather, Guild that Master. was, um, that got the, uh, that Anixia white vid, like the classic, timeless. But anyway, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Definitely, I don't think this is like going off topic at all, because it actually, it speaks to some game elements that are addictive. Like you said, it could be uh, it could be a mount drop, some things that are not even part of like the main game that you're just you have that drive or need to achieve something, right? And you're willing to invest, you know, whatever amount of time or money to get it. And um, some some games, as you guys have been talking about, some games are more forgiving than others. You know, wow, you didn't have to pay anything extra, I guess, aside from the monthly fee to to play the game, but um, it's it's definitely an issue when you're having to invest large amounts of money for things that I feel like should just be in the game, you know, as a, as a baseline. So again, that's what the battle pass. I I I I don't get it. <laughs> depends, on, depends on the battle pass, though, because uh, and I'll just use I keep using Halo because it's just the most recent example that I've been playing. But yeah. I mean, their battle pass it's just it's just unlocking aesthetic things. That's all it is. Yeah. But I didn't feel bad about dropping the ten dollars because the multiplayer was already free i didn't spend any money free. in the game yeah. and i was like you know that's fine and it's separate from like their events like they've got the battle pass which is part of like the main line uh, i don't even know how to describe it it's just kind of like the main list of rewards and then they've got like additional events that they throw in that are free so i mean it's like 10 bucks one time, you know, just for the season or something like that. I don't see an issue with it. Some people don't have a lot of money to throw around. And I understand like, you know, if, if it's free or nothing, then that's fine too. But, you know, my, in my situation, I was like, I mean, Hey, I'm enjoying the game. Multiplayer was free. I'm having a blast. I might as well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw them 10 bucks and I'll, I'll get some cool aesthetic things or whatever. But when you're talking about like a battle pass to unlock like certain champions and things, I think that's kind of fucked up, you know. Yeah. There there shouldn't be there shouldn't be champions or or other things outside of aesthetic rewards just kind of like gatekeeping you, you know, from enjoying the game. So not everybody has time, not everybody has money. And it's one thing doing imbalance a game because one or the other. Neither is good, but then you're doing it with both. That's rougher. Hmm. Definitely. Good points from everyone. I think we had a good discussion here. To the listeners out there, if you have kids, keep that credit card locked up. Make sure that you're checking your statements, checking to see what it connects to. You don't want to be 10 grand under <laughs> from some mobile purchase from your kid or anyone else. And if you uh, know anyone that has a serious issue with, with Gaming Edition, definitely reach out. Make sure they get some help. But uh, if you want to do any improvements by yourself, maybe cut back on a few games. Maybe do something different if you feel like you're spending too much time gaming. 
always got to balance the time a little bit. You don't want to, you know, be stuck in a chair all day, especially during the pandemic or doing that already with work and everything. Now we're all in chairs all day long. Definitely got to get out there, exercise, stretch the legs, you know, do what you got to do. Take your health into consideration. But we'll be back for more. More than likely next week or the week after. But until then, game on.